evening. All right, all right. Let's get, let's, let's get in. Let's get our tatequetos on. Come on. Let's get settled in. It's time for the Word. Anybody excited about the Word? Here's the quote this morning. Yeah, I'm just waiting for you. It's all right. All right, you ready? Say ready. Ready. Amen. Father, we just ask that your word, God, would cut through everything that it needs to cut through, God, that it would get deep inside of us, that it would grow in us, that it would change us and rearrange us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Here's the quote. The objective mission for the believer is to release presence all throughout the earth. Whether you're called to the marketplace ministry or the mission field, the presence is the primary making of true Christian ministry. The presence of God should be with us everywhere that we go. That's our role, amen? The presence of God. That's, that's all we need to do is everywhere that we go, bring the presence of God. What does that mean? Not a Christian t-shirt, not a Christian tattoo, not Jesus on anything, but Jesus in us. Amen? All right, let's get into the word. That had nothing to do with it. I want to share with a message today appropriately titled, Brave. Because it's a story about a little redhead girl named Lee. No, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Listen, I think we're living in a season. We're living in... I'm sorry, Lee. We're living in a season where God is calling us to be brave. Anybody feel that? God is calling the church to be brave. It's, it's no time anymore for sissified clean, holy-looking, appearing, soft men and women. Amen? It's time for the church to be brave. When you look up brave, you, you, you get words like valiant, heroic, lion-hearted, bold. Somebody growl? They were bold, fearless. Can you turn these down a little bit? Um, gallant, daring, audacious, unflinching, unshrinking, unafraid. Somebody say amen. amen. See, the last message I shared with you guys was, was titled, Like You've Been Asking. And I, and I started that message, I, I told the story of Nehemiah, and then I ended it with our story, the story of our asking God to release this building so we can grow, so we can get the other side, and so we can do big things that he wants us to do, and how it, it, it all went from, from no way to pray to okay. Amen? See, sometimes the, that's the power of prayer, man. Sometimes through prayer, God changes the world's no to his go. Anybody need that in their life? <clears throat> Anybody tired of hearing no? Amen? Well, that's a personal problem, but let's move on. 
The reason I shared the, the, the beginning of Nehemiah last time when I was sharing our story, the reason I shared that was because, listen, when I went to meet with the, with the owner of this property, Pastor Gary had taken me there and we prayed and I went upstairs and Pastor Gary stayed downstairs in the car praying for me through the whole meeting. And so when I came down and told him, look, this happened and this happened and he's going to do this and we're going to do this and we're going to get the building. And he said, okay. And, and it went on. Pastor Gary said, that's, oh my God, that's, that's Nehemiah. That's the story of Nehemiah. Pastor Gary said, that's a Bible story. Church, I love it when the word comes alive. You, you have to understand that these Bible stories that, you know, some of you grew up in church and so you've been hearing Bible stories all your life. They're not just Bible stories. They're stories that happened to men that were in the Word. Why are we not excited about that? These are stories that continue on. They're not Bible. They're not stories like, like, uh, like makeup, like fables. You, you understand? So I, I love it when the word comes alive and it shakes the dust off its pages and it cracks the seal on, on some of you who have never even cracked yours open yet and it shouts, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm true. I'm still working in people. I'm still working through people. God is calling us for a season to be brave. Somebody say amen. amen. So I was so excited. I, I said, Gary, I'm going to preach that story. I'm going to tell that story of Nehemiah, and then I'm going to tell our story. And, and, and people are going to see how the word is so awesome back then and how the word is still true and awesome today. Amen. And so that's what we did, and, and this week, i got to tell you, as I was studying through 2 Corinthians and, and trying to finish up the last few chapters, because we've been going as a church, for those of you that are visiting, we, we, we pick a Bible, we pick a, a chapter in the Word, and we go through the whole book, right? And so we've gone through 1 Corinthians, and we were almost done with 2 Corinthians, and so this week I was studying back and forth, and I kept going back and forth between Nehemiah, I said, wait, I never finished that story. And, and between 2 Corinthians, and then between the sanctuary fellowship, and then between my life, and between 2 Corinthians, and between the sanctuary. And I said, oh my, this is so, it's almost frightening how, how everything is lining up. Amen? If you've been following, you, you know, we couldn't have planned the Bible study through God's Word where God would do exactly what we've been reading about. This has been the most fascinating study that we've ever been able to do because God has been able to show himself real all through the word. So if you missed it, just to recap, here's a quick, here, here it is real quick like, because I want to set the story up real fast. I want to finish the story of Nehemiah because it's incredible and we need to, to, to hear it. So here, here's the setting. Because of disobedience and failure, God's people had been exiled. Listen, listen, press in, press in. A couple minutes and we're done, but you, you can't miss a piece of this story. Amen? So tell everybody, turn off the phone, shut up, don't move, leave me alone, don't tap me, don't pull me, just leave me alone. I, I, I need to focus. Amen? Can we do that for a minute? I promise it'll encourage you and it'll change you. So... Because of disobedience and failure, God's, God's people, they were exiled from Jerusalem. He scattered them from their homeland. He sent them into exile. So his people, he, he, he let the enemy come in and beat them and rob from them and do everything. Sometimes God will let bad things happen. That's not a real fun story, right? <laughs> Ain't no amens with that one. Sometimes God will let bad things happen. I don't have an explanation for that, but let, let, let's, let's keep on. 
So he scattered them, but what, what he did was he gave them a certain time, and he told them, after this time, you guys can come back to this land, and we can try this again, and, and we can work on it again, and I promise that I'll be with you. Listen, because God loves us even when we're not good. I, there should be a couple more amens with that one. <laughs> God loves you even when you're not good. Can you receive that today? If that's all you needed, you can walk out. You can leave. God loves you even when you're not good. I know that's hard. That's hard because, because we're used to this conditional love. People love us when we're good. And when we're bad, people don't love us. And people say, I'll be with you, man. I'm your right or die. I'm this, I'm this, I'm that. But the second we don't do right by that person, that person says, you cut off. I don't ever want to hear from you again. Don't call me. Lose my number. Don't text me. Uh, you go to Facebook and you say, defriend, ignore, block, spam, whatever, right? That's how the world is, but God's not like that. God, God, God promises that he'll still love him, amen? Listen, God is always ready to forgive. He's always ready to love. He's always ready to accept. He's always ready to, to, to restore. Church, that has to be our heart. We have to be ready to rebuild again, and, and, and that has to be our heart as well. The problem is sometimes we're not brave enough to come back. Amen? Listen, for some of you, it's taken forever to come back, hasn't it? Some of you, listen, I know if we went around and sharing stories, some of you have probably had bigger ministries than we do right now. Some of you have probably were called to start bigger ministries than we're in right now. But, but something happened along the way. Some, someone did you wrong along the way. You did something wrong along the way. And you've never been brave enough to come back. Listen, it's, it's a season to be brave. Amen? So, so the, 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 the time had passed. But now, so it, it's okay now for all God's people to come back to Jerusalem. To come back. And he said, I promise to be there if you would just come back after that time. The problem is, <clears throat> too many of them had made themselves comfortable in the places of exile, right? They made themselves at home apart from where God wanted them to be. Listen, side note, church, I'll say this again like I said the last time. It is such a dangerous place to be when you're not where God wants you to be. That's why it's never good to stay away from gathering from the body on Sundays, it's never good to stay away from times of prayer, to stay away from when, when there's events that we gather together to do, to celebrate a baptism, to celebrate. It's never a good idea to stay away from those things. You know why? Because when we stay away, we say we pray, but we usually stray. And when God calls us back, we want to stay. You with me? So, okay, 2%, 2% of God's people came back. They, 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 that was the remnant. And 2% of God's people came back to Jerusalem. But what happened? The, the city they're living in is destroyed. It's been ruined. The enemy has, has stolen everything from there that had any value. The, the, there were no walls, the gates, everything around the city was wrecked and destroyed. And a city back then with no walls was a city with no value. It was a city with no worth. A city that other people would talk about. It was, everybody looked at them like derelicts. They looked at them like they were no good, like they have no worth and no value because anybody that was from a city that had no covering, no protection, was, was, wasn't worth anything. So 
Nehemiah hears that, that these people are depressed and that their walls are in ruin and he's moved by God. And, and he, he says, I have to do something about that. Listen, God's word is always calling the brave into action. Always. You ready to get your tweeters out and tweet this? Too many Christians are sitting around bored because they're too scared to be brave. I'll wait. And so, so Nehemiah says, I'm going to do something about this. I'm one man. I don't know what I can do, but I'm going to do something about this. And God stirs his heart. And so but he, he, he's the cupbearer to the king. And so when he's in the presence of the king, they have a conversation. And the king says, what's wrong with him? And he tells him the story. And, and to, to make a long story even longer, the king says, well, okay, what do you want to do? And so he tells the king, I want to go and rebuild the walls. And the king says, well, go then, Bethe. And, and so, feeling brave, he tells him, okay, I'm going to go, but I need a safe passage. I need letters from you that will get me there safely. And then I need your credit card because i got to buy a lot of materials when I get there. The king says, fine, go. And so he went. Somebody say amen. So Nehemiah gets braver, man. He said, I want your credit card. I want your easy pass because I, I need all of that. And so the king says, go. He's gone. So, see, God responds to bravery when it isn't selfish or self-centered. A lot of the times we, we, we want to take a step of faith and we want to be bold, but it's usually for us. Right? And so that's when we want to get holy, that's when we want to get Christian, and that's when we want to go to prayer. When we're asking for us. For me, for my wife, for my kid, God give me this, God give me that, God give me that, God. And wondering why we throw in there, God you're good. Because you give me this and you give me that and you could give me this and you could give me that. Right? But, but, but when we step out in bravery that isn't selfish or self-centered, God usually will provide everything, and he did here. He provided everything that he needed to make it happen. And so that's where we left off because that was a lot like our story. We went to the king and we asked, and the king says, yeah, go ahead, take the land. And so that's what we're doing. That's where we left off, and that's where we were. Our landlord said, okay, give me $50,000, and I'll hold the mortgage, and I'll even give you materials to build the other side. Come on, get excited. And, and, and you, you know how it happened. We were short about five or $6,000, and Pastor E got brave one, one closing during that message. And, and in the middle of worship, without taking an offering, he made a pledge, and we raised another five grand plus another 3000 for legal fees that I didn't even know we were going to need. Church, church, we can be brave. Because the battle isn't ours. We can be brave. you got to get this. Get this. You can be brave because we're not alone. Come on. You know when you were young, right? Especially my, the fellas understand this probably more, right? When you were young and you were alone walking, you walked a certain way. But when you were young and there was ten guys walking with you, how are you walking now? Now the limp is harder, right? There's attitude on the face. Why? Because you know you're not alone. You're brave now. Because you know you're walking. Now you're looking at I know you're not looking at me. Oh, I didn't think so. You want me to come back there? All right then. Oh, he said, come on. My man's bold. I got people, Larry. Don't mess with me, bro. So, listen, we can be brave because we're not alone. Amen? 
We can be brave because he promised. We can be brave because he loves us. We can be brave because he leads us. Okay, so where are we now? Thank you for asking. The lawyers of his lawyers have been talking to our lawyers and they've been going back and forth this week and they're getting contracts ready. So that's 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 scary, but amen. But where are we now in our study in the word? This is what I want you to see. So brave Nehemiah, he gets to remember he, he got the go ahead to go and he got all the materials, he got the credit card, he got everything. He gets to, to Jerusalem where he had to go to build the walls, right? He stays there for three days just walking around and looking around. He doesn't tell anybody why he's there. He doesn't share anything. He's just for three days he's walking around. He sees the destroyed gates. He sees the burnt down um, beams and the wall. He sees that there's nothing, there's no wall, there's not a rock left on top of a rock. Everything has been demolished. There's nothing there. And it says on the, on the third day... Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17, check it out if you got your word. He says, then said I unto them. He, he picked up a bunch of men and he, and he took some men with him on a walk at night. He says, then I said unto them, you see that how evil the case is that we're in. How Jerusalem lies in waste and how the gates thereof are burned with fire. He tells the men, come, let us build the walls of Jerusalem. I want you to picture your best brave heart impersonation, right? This is, uh, who's that, Mel Gibson? He's got half his face painted, and he's talking to the men. And he says, let us build the walls of Jerusalem that we may no more be a reproach to people. And I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, and also of the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, let us rise up and build. And so they strengthened their hands for the good work. Church, that's exactly where we are right now. Follow me. That's right where we are. Take a walk around this community. There are good people here, but they're struggling. There's good people here that are lost. Their community is shaken by poverty, by drugs, by lawlessness. This community is hurting and in pain. Young people are dying, are being killed and killing. The, the ones that are alive are being taught how to survive in this world. Church, the, 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 the Jews in Jerusalem at that time that they were alive, they were called survivors because they had nothing and they were just surviving. The, the young people in this community, they have nothing, they're just surviving. They're called survivors. But church, it's time for us to rise up and build. Somebody say amen. amen. See, God doesn't want us to build this building and, and to make it some, you know, cabillion dollar looking building. God just wants us to have more space so we can reach more people, so we can invite more people, so we can reach them, so we can love them, so we can build this community. Somebody say amen. See, we're not trying to build no fancy church. All right, but, 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 but he, here's what's coming, though. Look what happens. Nehemiah raises these men. He said, we're going to rise and build. And if you read in your words there in chapter 2, verse 19, it says, But when Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite servant and Jesem the Arab heard of this, 
They jeered at us and they despised us and they said, what is this thing you think you're doing? Opposition came. Church, opposition comes. When the people of God rise up, somebody say amen. If you've ever felt opposition. When the people of God rise up, opposition comes. But the brave build anyway. Look what happens. Nehemiah chapter 3. It says, listen to this because this is hard to read. A lot of crazy names. I'm going to murder them all, but, but just understand. Eliashib, the high priest, and his fellow priests went to work, and they rebuilt the sheep gate. And they dedicated it, and they set its doors in place, and they built from there as far as the Tower of the Hundred, which they dedicated, and as far as the Tower of the Hananel. And then the men of Jericho began the adjoining section, and they were building. And Zakur, the son of Imri, they built next to them, and they started building. And then the fish gate were, was rebuilt by the sons of Hassaneah, and they laid its beams, and they put its doors and bolts in place. I love this. It, it says that the families of there started building. And, and listen, if you like, I never read the word like this before. If you like me, usually whenever the Bible starts talking about a lot of names, we skip. Anybody? Like, okay, let's go. And Shunabud of the Ammonites and the Buddha Baga, whatever, let's go, let's go. Jesus loved the world, amen. Right? But, but listen to how I'm reading this now. If, if, you, if, you, if you take it from that time and take it into this time, we can read it this way. The Nieves family went to work and they rebuilt the sheep gate. And the Goikos were working right along them all of the way to the tower of Hananel. And the Martinez's built from there the adjoining sections. And the Caraballos built the nursery for the children. And they hung its doors. And the Boca Chicas built the young adult conference room. And the Rosarios, they built from there to the welcome center. And the Sims family, they built the children's church. And the Garcias, they built from here to here. And the Riveras, they built from here to here. And, and it goes on and on and on. Do you see, you see how the word is alive? And so Nehemiah 4 it says, but now opposition rises up. But I want you to picture all these families working, all these families building. It says entire families were building. That means men, women, children were building, working together on this wall. Building, trying to facilitate. So it says in Nehemiah 4, when Sambalat heard that they were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and he was greatly incensed. And he ridiculed the Jews. And in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring those stones back to life? from the heaps of rubble, burned as they are. So they were making fun of them because these weren't professional builders. These were just families like the Nieves and the... And the you, you understand? They weren't professional builders. And they were making fun of them. They ridiculed them. They discouraged them. Anybody ever had people talk about you and made you discouraged? Amen? Just me? <laughs> So they ridiculed, they discouraged them, but, but, but Nehemiah would gather them together and they would pray and they would keep building and they would pray and they would get braver and they would pray and they would continue. And at one point it says they got the wall rebuilt all the way around till it reached half its height. 
So now imagine there's a wall completely around the city. So it's completed. Something's complete, but it's only half its height. So that means you could just like alley-oop over the wall. And, and, so there's really no protection, but there's something there, right? It's built half its height. <coughs> but the opposition grew angrier, and they plotted to do violence. Now it wasn't just about talking. Now they're threatening. Yo, if you keep building that wall, we're going to start laying a beating on some of you. We're going to start hurting some of you. Understand, these are your women and children that are working on this wall. We're going to start slapping some of you up. It starts getting physical. They start threatening physical violence. And so they were planning attacks. And so what does Nehemiah do? Listen, listen. Therefore, I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, to the officials, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. This, this is Braveheart in real life. Are you seeing it? And so the threats grew worse and the attacks were imminent. So what does the brave do? Look what it says in verse 16. From that day on, half of my men did the work, while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and arrows. And the officers posted themselves behind all the people of Judah who were building the wall. Those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. <laughs> come on, man. Come on. Come on. Let's get excited. They, they did their work. That means my man was spackling and had a sword in one hand. And he said, I'm spackling, but if I need to turn around and cut you in half, I'm going to cut you in half. Or, or, or the ladies were painting, but they had a bow and arrow wrapped around them. And they said, I'm just painting this wall. But if you make me turn around, if you get too close, if you disrespect my space, I'm going to put the paintbrush down and I'm going to take the bow and arrow and I'm going to take you out. Families were working and prepared to fight. Materials in one hand and weapons in the other. It's amazing. Church, that's a picture of the church today. Do you see it? Do you feel it rising up? Or, or do you want to go back to being the wishy-washy churches that we just pray and worship? Whee! And we're good Christian people inside the building. Or do you want to stand and be brave? And do what God has called us to do, despite whoever stands up and rises up against us. Listen, there are all kinds of different religious organizations around here that wouldn't like, that don't want to see Jesus' name raised up, that don't want to, that don't want to acknowledge that God is doing something, that don't want to recognize the Bible as true. Some of us, you know, because we were there, amen? So church, that's a picture today for the church. The responsibilities are the same, but the weapons have changed. Oh, come on, get ready. The weapons have changed. Watch this. Where are we today in our study through the book of 2 Corinthians? This is crazy because it's all working together. I hope you're following me. We left off and we, we did chapters 8 and 9. And chapters 8 and 9 were about finances. And we dealt with finances and, and we preached that. The next, we're up to chapter 10. In chapter 10, Paul changes his tone and he starts addressing the people that have been questioning his authority. And those people that have been challenging his role. In other words, Paul comes up against opposition. This is two separate books. It's all happening at the same time as the Sanctuary Fellowship. You, you following me? 
So Paul, Paul dealing with the false teachers and those that are rising up and they're gossiping and they're leading people away from the church at Corinth that Paul was called to build. And so Paul addresses them all and look at what he says, chapter 10, verse 2. I beg you that when I come, I might not have to be as bold as I expect to be towards some people who think that we live by the standards of this world. For though we live in this world, we don't wage war as this world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and we demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and we make it obedient to Christ. See, like in Nehemiah... The brave build and the brave protect. They carry tools in one hand and weapons in the other. Church is the same today, but the weapons are different. So what are these weapons that Paul's talking about? Thank you for asking. Because church, you're going to have to build and carry. Are you with me? We now have a professional cruise coming in to build everything. We don't have, we didn't have a professional crew build anything here. We didn't have a, and we're not going to continue, we're not going to do that, amen? God's going to supply all he needs to supply, but we, the families of this sanctuary, are going to have to build and carry. We're going to have to build and watch. We're going to have to build and stand guard. Listen, today I'm handing out carry permits for every weapon that you guys need. Somebody say amen. Ephesians 6.10, what are those weapons Paul is talking about? Good, I'm glad you asked. Here they are. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened, hear the weapons, the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness that comes by the gospel of grace, and in all circumstances taking up the shield of faith, which can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayers and oppositions and supplications. Listen, what are these weapons? We fight gossip with truth. One thing the church is known for is hypocrisy and gossip. Not here. Say amen. Not here. We fight gossip with the truth. We fight shame and condemnation with the righteousness of God. That's how we put on the breastplate of righteousness. You know what? Not one of you is worthy. Not one of you. And by that I mean me. Not one of us is worthy. Not one of us is good enough. Not one of us is holy enough. Not one of us is not have, have things to be ashamed of or to be condemned, have condemnation for. Every single one of us have sinned and fallen short. Say amen. amen. If that's you, amen. I sinned and fell short. We don't have to be happy about it, but it's true. Amen. But the word says we put on the breastplate of righteousness. 
That means God gives us righteousness to put on. We don't have it, but God gives it to us. And so in grace, we receive that righteousness and we become righteous. Amen. What do we wear? We wear as our shoes the gospel of peace. What does that mean? That means everywhere we put our feet, the gospel of peace is there. Come on, you, church, we, you have to, we have to stop being Sunday Christians. Everywhere we put our feet, the gospel of peace is there. Everywhere we stand, the presence of God is there. Listen, I've seen this, and, and not that I'm holier than anybody, but I've seen it. Sometimes you'll be around a group of people, and they're talking a certain which way. And I step into that group, and, and conversation changes. Why? The presence of, and I'm not talking about people that know I'm a pastor. That's a whole different story. You know, then they want to be hypocrites. Oh, sorry, excuse my French. I'm like, listen, the F word is not French. I don't know where you, anyway. And I'm talking about people who don't know who I am, but there's a prayer. They know the God that's in me. And sometimes we get into a group and things will change and you wonder why things, sometimes you feel weird. You're like, whoa, why everything's switching up? And then you have to realize and understand, wait, I, I forgot I'm wearing this. <laughs> I'm wearing the breastplate of righteousness. I forgot I got my shoes of, with the gospel of peace everywhere I stand. So I forgot that when I stand into this, peace is going to come on this crowd. And something's going to change, amen? And then it says, with our faith, we fight the flaming darts of the evil one. Why would the word tell us that if we weren't going to have flaming darts come at us? Like some of us become Christian and we wonder, oh God, everything's so hard. Everybody want to hurt me. Everybody want to come against me. Hello. Those are the flaming darts of the evil. The word says that's going to happen. If God said it's going to happen, it usually happens. Amen. And so it says all we got to do is hold on the shield of faith and then cover our head with salvation. And then the sword on our back and the sword in our heart, that's the word. We need to know the word, not carry the word. We need to know the word. Amen? And that's why, church, we don't, I don't preach no tickle, feel you good messages and tickle you where you itch type of message where you can leave here excited and emotional. I give you the word so that you can be equipped with the word so that if you need to fight, you have a sword. Amen? I, I, I hate to see Christians walking around with plastic butter knives. The, you know, the two scriptures that you know by heart. Jesus wept and, and John 3.16. And that's only because you were wrestling fans and, and you... And don't make me go there. So we need to, to, to have the sword, amen, so that we can pray and so that we can persevere. So I want you to know, as you're reading Nehemiah and you keep on going after a few more chapters of struggling, of persevering, of standing brave, of working hard, of families coming together, Nehemiah 6. 15 says, and the wall was completed on the 25th of Elul in 52 days. In 52 days, families got together and they built the walls of Jerusalem. Come on, somebody say amen. And so the people came together and they read the word together and they repented together and they rebuilt a community. Worship team, please come on up. They rebuilt a community. Church, all through 1st and 2nd Corinthians, I don't know if you've noticed, but everything we've studied and talked about is happening. And that's like, that's like the word is really alive, amen? We've talked about right relationships, and we see relationships breaking up and relationships forming like they should, amen? Some of you deserve better than what you're with. 
And I say that for, you know, you guys that are just dabbling and, you know, you know what I mean. Don't look at your husbands and wives and say, he said I'm better than what I'm with. So. No, no, you made a life commitment to that person. Now you got to make that work. Now the brave stands in and make it work. The Bible gives you one or two excuses to get out of that, and, and even that God's not happy about, but he says this, this, on these terms you can leave. Other than that, you stay and you stand and you be strong and you make it happen. Amen? Stop trying to change the other person. You change. Woo! So everything we've talked about in 2 Corinthians has happened. We talk about grace and we've experienced it. We've talked about grief and we've had to feel it, haven't we? We've gone through three major funerals this, this year alone. Major funerals that rocked the community for us. So we talked about grief and we've had to experience it. We've had to grow through it. We talk about taking steps of faith and we've had to trust God and we've experienced his answers. We talked about being generous givers and this body responded by raising over $10,000 that we needed in two weeks without a campaign and without a special offering. Who does that? Without putting a thermometer up on the wall where we got to fill in and reach and... Without banging you over the head for 30 minutes with an offering. So the book has been walking parallel with us and with our lives. And it's no wonder that the next few chapters Paul goes in about maturity. And about getting the whole house in order. And I believe we're going to experience that in each and every home in here as well. You might not know this, but we're a young church. We've been training and teaching. We've been building up and preparing. We've been taking steps of faith since day one. And all of that comes from maturity. Amen? All of that leads to maturity. Maturity never gets here first. You have to work toward maturity. Maturity is something we build brick by brick, experience by experience, trial by trial. But God has been good to us, and God has, has been with us every step of the way. And so I want to close with this. Luke 12 says, to whom much is given, much is required. Get ready. This is the pow pow. To whom much has been given, much is expected. I want you to understand, church, the more knowledge a man has, the more practice is expected from him. The greater a man's gifts are, the more useful he ought to be. Church, I know and I can stand in good conscience that we have taught the Word. And we're equipping and we're building up. And some of you have never seen yourselves as leaders, but if people are following you, you're a leader. If you have influence over a certain group of people, you're a leader. And some of you have to realize, man, I'm a leader. And I have to start taking the responsibility of that. Amen? Listen, the leaders are not the ones that are up on the, on, on the platform. Some of you have to stop using that as an excuse and understand, listen, I, I've gone to this church or I've been in this ministry or whatever, whatever. I've learned enough that I need to be responsible with what I've learned. I've taken in enough that more is expected of me. So what does that mean? Your Facebook should reflect your character. Can I go there for a second? You can't. Don't come here and hallelujah us and cry in the front. Don't cry about it. Go home and live it. Amen? 
Your Facebook should reflect that. Facebook is, is dangerous. It's broken up so many marriages. It's ruined so many people. But we need to be in it because we need to be everywhere darkness is. So why? So that we can bring the presence of God to it. So that we can shine. And by shining, I don't mean put up, because I see this all the time too, and you guys kill me with this. You put up a scripture verse today, and tomorrow you're F-bombing your cousin whose girlfriend left, and, and then Wednesday you put up a scripture verse again. Or you put up a pretty picture about God and pretty rainbows, and God is always there. And then the next day, F-bombing your girlfriend and your boyfriend, because she's a jerk, and he's a this, and he's a that, and he's a that. And the next day, a scripture verse. And the next day, again, ready to go to the sanctuary fellowship for worship. And the next day, you have bomb and something. Amen? To whom much is given, much is required. Church, I'm calling the church to rise up. Are you ready to be brave? Come on, are you ready to be brave? Listen, it's brave for some of you today to take everything you've been hearing. Say, man, I just came here for a baby dedication. Man, what did I come here for today? And, and maybe God has been touching on your heart. Maybe God has been speaking to you. Maybe God has been stirring up stuff that you already had inside you from, from a long time ago, but you've been... You did like I said in the beginning. You stayed away and you strayed. And listen, I'm here to tell you, like just like Pastor E was telling you, God is calling you back today. And God is calling us to a place where we would stand and be brave. Where we would walk with the presence of God everywhere we go. Trust me, life is better that way. You can talk to anybody up here and let them know, ask them. You've tried life the other way, yeah. Life works this way. When I know that God is with me, when I know that God never leaves me, when I know that God leads me, that God prepares me, that God equips me, that God encourages me, that God strengthens me, I know that in my weakness His strength is made perfect, then I understand that I don't need anybody else. All I need is you. You complete me. And the people that you bring around me are only going to be people that are like-minded like me, that want to encourage me and want to push me forward. And then we say, God, that's what I want for me. God, have your way. If that's you, would you stand up today? Come on, let the brave call the brave out. Let the brave shout out to the brave. Come on. Let's worship together. Come on forward. Come on forward. Let's worship together. If you've never made.